Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 28, Jerzinho Rosenstrike versus Augusto Sakai. And Shaq is going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada, live at the Apex. Two heavyweights in the main event. I know both guys want redemption badly. Obviously, Jerzinho Rosenstrike was heavily criticized for that performance uh, that he just put on against Cyril Gaon, kind of refused to pull the trigger. But in past times, I mean, this is a guy that knocked out JDS, Overeem, Arlovsky. So he's put in work in the past. And Sakai, I thought that he was a very promising uh, heavyweight prospect as well. Made it to his main event with Overeem. Didn't go his way. But UFC feels like this could be an entertaining matchup. Just the way these two uh, match up stylistically. They put him in a main event. Let's see if they deliver, Shaq. Yeah, you know, I've been uh, fans of both guys, you know, early on in their careers. Uh, Sakai, since he was in Bellator, and I know he's looking for redemption. Like you said, the Overeem fight didn't go his way, but I don't think it, it was a bad performance. He definitely gassed out, but in the early rounds, I definitely thought he was having some success. And we know what Jarzino Rosenstrike's capable of, man. Uh, I mean, the dude's a serious kickboxer. I was at a, one of his fights uh, early on in his career against Alan Crowder. I mean, he knocked the dude out in like how many how many seconds was it? Like nine or something like that. Uh, <laughs> eight seconds, yeah. So, you know, uh, dude's got you know the ability to close the show with one punch. His timing is kind of and you know the last fight with Gon. Look, man, Gon's a big dude and, and he and he bounces around a lot, man. I mean, it was one of those things where it's like if he would have pulled the trigger, he would have he. He would have got an eye socket broken or something, you know. <laughs> it was like he, he just chose to, you know, look, I'll, I'll sit back and not get knocked out. But, you know, I, I think this fight's going to be uh, more entertaining. They match up very well. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's a completely different fight against Ghana. It was kind of like, let's just lose the decision and not, you know, let's live to fight another day. That's kind of what it was because <laughs> he knew that if he if he committed to something and closed the distance, he would have got messed up. There was something waiting for him. So you're 100% right about that. I mean, co-main event, we got Walt Harris taking on Marcin Tybura. Tybura on a four-fight win streak. Walt Harris, everybody's rooting for him. We want to see him get back on track. And regardless of who wins, I, I have a feeling it's going to be another exciting fight too. You got the heavyweights in the main and co-main event, Shaq. Yeah, uh, Tybora, he, he's been doing his thing. He had a, a nice little comeback uh, against Hardy, beat Spivak, he, uh, Ben Rothwell as well. So he's on a nice three-fight win streak, a nice little resurgence, because at one point, you know, people were saying Tybora was about to be out of here. So um, props to him for uh, for the resurgence. And Wal Harris, yeah, I mean, we're all waiting for him to get that win. And, um, oh, maybe it's this weekend. Um, I mean, it's another tough fight. Uh, what's his last? He, he fought Volkov and Overeem. And now Tybura, man, I, I was, what, damn, you already fought Alexi. I mean, I was hoping for an easier opponent. But Tybura, you know, he's more of a, a three-round heavyweight point fighter style. So, you know, we'll see what happens. You mean they couldn't do the Walt Harris versus Chase Sherman rematch? <laughs> you know, I was looking for an easy KO, you know, uh, like when he did the Spivak, you know, when he fought Spivak and just came out and knocked him out, like in, you know, less than 30 seconds. Uh, that's what I, that's what I, I was trying to do. Man. Yeah, I guess when you're ranked as high as he is, yeah. you know, it's only yeah. a tough fight. Yeah, oh, it's it's one of those things, man. But yeah, we obviously wish him the best. So we're going to break down the whole car start to finish. But before we do, you already know the deal. we got to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Manscaped. And guys, Father's Day is coming up and the weather is catching heat. Whether you have a dad bod or rocking a six pack, make sure you and your dad are smelling nice and shaved where it matters most. Make your dad proud this year and get him 
and yourself the new Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0. I mean, I thought the 3.0 was badass, but the 4.0 is where it's really at. And the refined cologne by Manscaped. Uh, trust me, you'll be smelling fresh. You'll be smelling very fresh with that. And the brand new Lawnmower 4.0, which is what I got in my hand right here, and the refined cologne is perfect for you and the dad in your life to complete your grooming game. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. And, uh, I mean, you, you guys know the deals. Uh, for a lot of us, you know, our dads are getting up there in age, and it, they just come from a different era. You got to get them with the times. And that's where Manscaped comes in. And Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, just dropped their lawnmower 4.0. Let me show it to you again. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. And I hope you're as excited for this as me because this thing is legit. This fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. Do you or your dad travel a lot? If so, then the 4.0 is the perfect trimmer for home and on the go. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to turn on the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Because, I mean, look, the power goes out all the time where I'm from, and now there's no more excuses. And it's waterproof, too. You can now shave your balls in the dark, the shower, or anywhere your heart desires. The Lawnmower 4.0 allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 to 4. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help the battery length last longer. Fellas, it's time to pull the truck. It's time to pull the plug on wired trimmers and your wild bush. After you guys have clean balls, clean up your cologne game with the refined cologne from Manscaped. With the same signature scent that's in all Manscaped formulas, this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. Light, approachable, gentlemanly in all the right ways. If the old man is smelling a little funky, this co <laughs> this cologne is a surefire way to change that and make him the talk of the summer. Man of the house deserves to smell like a king. Whether it's a gift for you, your dad, or the men in your life, choose Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BATTLE20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code BATTLE20. Don't forget that you came from your dad's balls. This year, show your original home some, <laughs> show your original home some love with Manscaped, Shaq. Yeah, man. I mean, I actually uh, tested out that 4.0 not too long ago, man, uh, and I definitely vouch for it. So I would definitely recommend getting that. It's got the nice charging set that comes with it as well. So go ahead and cop that uh, 4.0 and use that use that uh, Battle 20 code. I mean, did you think it was possible for them to step up after the 3.0? Because I thought the 3.0 I mean, was great. I mean, I was still on the 3.0 for the longest, so I mean, I just finally brought out the 4.0. But you know, either one, either way, <laughs> <laughs> bust out the 4.0. I was like, holy shit, they <laughs> upgraded, and I didn't know it was possible, but it is. So, uh, Battle 20 is the code to use for 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Now, Shaq, let's break down this whole car start to finish because first up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Claudio Puelez. He's nine and two. He's taking on Jordan Levitt, who's eight and zero. Oh. Currently, they got Jordan Levitt minus two ten. The comeback on Claudio, I think it's Puelez, is plus one seventy five. So, this, this is an interesting fight because basically. Jordan Levitt, he's a bit of a specialist uh, on the mat, of course. You know, he wants to take you down. He wants to submit you. He wants to 
he wants to be all over you. Uh, that was pretty cool that he got a 20-second slam knockout against Wyman. That's probably not going to happen here, but hey, handled business accordingly. This fight's a little interesting because Claudio Pulis, man, he's come a long way. If you watch his UFC debut and then compare it to his last fight, I mean, looks like a completely different guy. I mean, he looked like a little kid against Martin Bravo. Now he looks like a grown-ass man. I mean, he's grown before our eyes. Now I think he's 25 years old. He actually he did something I really respect. You know, he left Peru. He came to the United States. He trains at Sanford MMA. So that, to me, is a sign of someone that wants to improve their game. And I expect him to look like a completely different man. But that being said, uh, the way they match up, so Claudio, you know, I, I know to talk about a guy from the Peruvian scene as, as having strong wrestling, I'd say his wrestling is the best part of his game. He's got some good double legs, some good entries, some decent scrambles, a little bit of a leg lock game to go along with it. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be able to get submissions on Jordan Levitt, but the path I do see for Claudio Pulis is if he can, you know, kind of survive this early jujitsu storm of Levitt, and then get on top of Levitt, maybe he can grind him out. So that would be the path to victory for the dog here. However, I, I see the ground game of Levitt kind of, you know, I just see him kind of being a step ahead in the transitions and the scrambles and kind of getting the better of this one, maybe winning a decision. If he submits him, I'll be very impressed. But I, I'm going to go with Levitt via, you know, a close decision here just by slightly getting more top control in this fight. Yeah, you know, this is a interesting fight because Levitt, he did beat Levon. He, he took care of Wyman exactly how you should, 20 seconds. Um, so yeah, I think Jordan Levitt has a, a very bright future. Um, I, the one question we all know is the striking. The, can he strike for three rounds if he can't get the submission? But it seems like the, the submission game is so funky that these dudes, uh, they just get a little bit uh, confused and, and they just can't handle it. And Puelas, I, I at first, I mean, look, I was like, man, this kid needs to take a, a, a lot of a lot of time in between his fights. But I'm gonna be honest with you, man. He's doing everything right, man. As far as his career, like this kid, uh, like he needs to fight lower, lesser opponents. Um, and he did that. But now I I hear he's training at Sanford with like Michael Chandler and Omar and uh, Durino. you know, yeah, Durino and Nick and Nick Lentz is uh Nick Lentz, you know, Nick Lentz is actually coaching now. And uh, Nick Lentz is his coach and, sh and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, I, I would not be – I mean, if he has to he has to survive in that uh, practice room, I would not be shocked if Claudio Puelas uh, came out there and turned into a little Latin killer out there on Saturday night, man. Um, who knows? It's been a lot of time in between us. I know Marcos Mariano, Anderson Silva's teammate, is a, is a complete can. Um, but I still have a lot of respect for that Felipe Silva fight. You know, Felipe Silva – was hammering on him and he didn't quit um and, and he and he did quit in that martin bravo fight so it's it's consistent steps forward yeah jordan leave it should be the favorite he's got the dominant ground game um but i would not be shocked if like puelas landed a left kick or, like later on in the fight or uh you know possibly hurt him with strikes or like you said even got on top of him uh in the late rounds i still feel like there's questions in jordan levin's game i know the submission the submissions and all that are nice but Sometimes not all fights can get finished early. Can they go 15 minutes? I think the line is a little bit wide, um, but I'll take Puelas for an upset, man. I think he'll, he'll find the finish along the way. I'll go with Claudio. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a match between Yusef Zolali. He's 10 and 4. He's second on Sean Woodson, who's 7 and 1. Currently, they got Sean Woodson minus 170. The comeback on Yusef Zolal is plus 155. So, Shaka, uh, before. 
Sean Woodson made his UFC debut, you said this guy is a matchup problem. And I mean, I, I assume the reason you said that is because we're talking about a six foot two featherweight with a 79 inch reach. Uh, it's going to it's going to be tough to close the distance on a guy like that. Had a setback in his in uh, you know his second UFC appearance against a very experienced vet in Julian Arosa and Yusuf Zalal, also a guy. He actually got signed to the UFC off two straight losses. Then he went on a three fight win streak. Now he's on a two fight skid against some tough competition. You know, yeah, Taporia. Uh, he got he got signed off a of flying knee, but two he lost two or three. He lost two or three. Oh yeah, you're right, you're right. He lost two against yeah. Marisco and that other guy. Then he knocked the guy out with a flying knee. You're right, you're right. Um, but that being said. Are you still as high on uh, Woodson as you were before? Do you just feel like it was kind of growing pains and now he can get back to business? Or do you think that kind of maybe exposed some areas in his game that other people are going to take advantage of? Yeah, man. I kind of feel similar about both guys. I, I Like you were just saying, I kind of feel that way for, for Zalal as well. I mean, look, uh, Taporia, in my opinion, is one of the top prospects at 145. He's, at, he's fighting um, Ryan Hall. And... He lost to Choi, who's actually fighting um, Arosa coming up here soon. Um, so, and Choi, you know, he had a tough first two. Like, but, but man, you see the physique on Choi. I almost felt bad for Zalal in those fights in a way. I'm like, bro, he's just in over his head here. Like, Choi is just way too big for him, too powerful, better striking, better wrestling. Uh, Tapori, I mean, it was a, I'm not saying it was a bad performance. I mean, in the, it was short notice for Taporia, but I mean, it was a dogfight towards the end. I mean, I still think Zalal has some potential there. Um, Woodson as well. Um, Julian Arosa has how many fights? Like, like a lot, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, like he's got like four times the amount of fights as, as Woodson, maybe even like five times the amount of many fights as Woodson. Um, like, it, that's it happens sometimes. I I think in a couple of years we'll look back and be like, damn, Sean, you you know you know you lost the you lost the Julian, but no, there's no shame in that at all. I do think there's some holes in Woodson's game. I, his striking is, is very good, and you know the knees, but against particular guys like Erosa, that knee up the middle is necessarily not going to be there. You know that on the contender series fight uh, when he fought the uh, Alaskan guy. Um, I forget his name, but Terrence uh, McKinney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrence McKinney. He was kind of struggling in the grappling in that fight. And then he just landed the check knee in the Boshniak fight. Boshniak was moving forward well, was pressuring him well. It was just that check knee, you know, up the middle, five, seven, five, eight guys, you know. But Yusuf Zalal, these guys are how tall is Yusuf? I'm like five ten. Five, ten. Like, yeah, five ten. Uh is good. I don't I don't necessarily think that knee is gonna be there. Um, he's going to have to use more boxing. I don't think his boxing is as good as his knees, um, but he still has good offense. I still think that it's going to be hard for Yusuf to 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 take him down. Um, I feel like Yusuf could honestly drop to Benamay, but maybe I'm tripping. I don't know. Um, you used to fight there, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're actually right. You're actually right. So I, I honestly, that was crossing my mind a lot. I just felt like he... Is he going to be strong enough to get Woodson down? But if he can find possibly a way to to make Woodson use a lot of energy, because in use of stri uh, Woodson striking, man, he uses a lot of like hand movement, but it's all like a lot of it's just show, man. I feel like he was kind of using a lot of energy against Julian Arosa, like with the he was like looking away and showboating a little bit. He's just you know probably just a young move there, but um, I must still go with Woodson, but I think it could be a close fight, man. Like. I wouldn't be shocked if Woodson still made young errors in the clinch and in in some jujitsu scrambles because Yusuf is a black belt, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, that is the weakness of, of Sean Woodson's game. I mean, when Julian snatched up that neck, I mean, he it kind of looked like he didn't really know what to do. Um, so uh, we'll see. But I wouldn't write off Yusuf Zalal just yet. I mean, you got to respect, like, to Choi. I mean, what if Choi comes out here and knocks out Julian Arosa or and uh, Tapori? I mean, he might be in the top 15 here soon. So we'll, we'll see. But I'll go with Woodson. But I'm going to say by close, like, split decision, like, back and forth fight. Yeah, it's interesting because with Zalal, I think his biggest strength is actually seems like kind of a smart guy. Like he makes some good decisions from time to time. He's able to it's not like he really stands out in one big area. You know, his striking is decent. His entries are decent. Got a decent Darce choke, too. I mean, but there's not one thing where you're like, oh, man, he's a specialist. He's just kind of like a jack of all trades. He's just kind of decently well-rounded. So he's going to have to use his smarts here because, look, if you're talking about boxing for boxing, hands for hands, Woodson's got him covered there. Um, and I also think that you can't just shoot recklessly on a guy like Woodson either. You know how it is with those guys with those long arms. They can snatch up chokes from everywhere, from anywhere. And even though he's not, you know, some submission specialist, you shoot from a mile out on a guy like Woodson. Don't be surprised if he snatches up your neck. But. Obviously, you got to favor if a submission is going to happen in this fight, you'd, you'd have to, you know, favor Zalal for that. It's really about if Zalal can time these entries or not, because on the feet, I do think he's getting picked apart. He does have some calf kicks. I mean, like I said, he's a smart guy. He can mix it up. I respect Zalal a lot. I'm going to have to go with Woodson here, man. I think he's got more output. I think that his hands are a lot cleaner. And I think he just made a rookie mistake. It was his first L. You know what happens when these guys get cocky after that first performance uh, and, you know, they come back. And, like, uh, for example, we're going to talk about Dushko soon. Uh, I heard his interview talking about how he got 50K for his UFC debut, and now all of a sudden he wasn't focused anymore. So, and, and he fights with his hands down. But, um, I'm just curious to see if Woodson comes out here looking a little better uh, in, in this fight because I feel like I know exactly what Zalal is, whereas Woodson, I feel like he's got a lot more ground to cover. I'm going to go with Woodson. I think he makes a lot of improvements, and I think he picks apart Zalal as long as he can keep it standing. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we've got a matchup between Manon Fioro. She's 6-1. and one. She's taking on Tabitha Ritchie, who is 5-0. and oh. Currently, they got... Manon Fioro, minus 460. The comeback on Tabitha Ritchie is plus 365. So, I mean, this this fight got announced yesterday while I was at the Braves game. I mean, basically what I know about Tabitha Ritchie, she's a black belt. She's undefeated. She's 5-0, but she's tiny, man. She's five foot one. Um, and Manon Fioro, look, man. She's she's very physical. She's big for the weight class. She's five foot seven. She's got some nasty kicks. Her takedown defense is getting a lot better than it was earlier on in her career. And I think she's mixing things up these days. Um, it, it's really just about, you know, don't get your back taken or, or something like that. I, I don't see that happening, even though Tabitha Ritchie might be this black belt. And allegedly, she trains with Mackenzie Dern, too. I, th I think she's too small, Shaq. I really do think she's too small here. I I'm going to go with Manon Fioro via... Uh, she got a head kick knockout last time. I'm going to say body kick knockout this time. Yeah, I definitely. Uh, I really haven't checked into uh, Richie at all, to be honest with you. But, uh, man, I was looking forward to that Moreau's fight, man. But, man, they're, they're, they're kind of going hard on my girl Moreau's on the Instagram right now, you know, um, for pulling out this fight. But, you know, hopefully Ferio gets through this one by, by knockout and we can – uh, reschedule that one, uh, you know, because I feel like Moreau's is the is the prospect tester in that division. Uh, you got to fight Moreau's to see where you're really at. So, um, but yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, Fierro by finish.
Yeah, I, I was looking forward to the Morose fight because that was a test where I was like, let's see if, you know, Fioro can stuff these takedowns. Let's see if she can get up from bottom. Like, I was really looking forward to that. So it's unfortunate that got canceled, but she should uh, steamroll uh, this young lady. Next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Alan Patrick. He's 15 and three. He's taking on Mason Jones, who's 10 and one. And currently, they got. Mason Jones minus 290. The comeback on Alan Patrick is plus 245. This is a great uh, fight for Mason Jones. Look, Alan Patrick, basically, there was a point in time when he went on a five-fight win. Actually, it wasn't a five-fight win streak. A, a, a point where he won four of, of five fights inside the octagon. He beat guys like John McDessie, Demir Hadzovich, Stevie Ray. And he was doing his thing at one point. It, it's just that. He was never, you know, his technique was never the prettiest standing. You know, he would just get away with it because he was such an athletic guy and he could throw all these kind of capoeira spin kicks. His ground game is half decent. He's, he's a black belt, too. It's just that now he's almost 40 years old and he hasn't fixed up those techniques. So now we're dealing with a guy that used to rely on his athleticism, but he's past his prime. And you guys know how that, you know, you know how that goes, right? It never, ever ends well. And when you talk about a guy like Mason Jones, he's young, he's hungry, he's aggressive, he's got the volume on the feet, nice hands, good calf kicks. I believe he's a black belt in jujitsu as well. He comes from a good team in Wales. I mean, he's now I could be dead wrong, but I believe he's training. Well, now he trained at Team Alpha Male, but I believe he comes from the same place as Brett Johns and Jack Shore. I know country-wise, but gym-wise. Someone correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong, because if they're rivals, uh, I'll feel pretty bad. But I'm pretty sure they're boys. You know, he's boys with Brett Johns and Jack Shore. But this is a guy who said who left Wales, went to Team Alpha Male. Like, that's the sign of someone that wants to improve, man. And he was, I already thought he was good enough to pass this test. And the reason why is because Alan Patrick is slowing down to a point now where, you know, those big athletic bursts, they're, they're much slower than they used to be. And he already didn't have the output to match a guy like Mason Jones. So basically, the only path to victory for Alan Patrick is to take down Mason Jones and hold him down because if you got to point out a weakness in Mason Jones game, I guess one would be that he gets hit a lot, but his chin is so damn good that right now at his very young age, it doesn't really matter. It's, it'll matter down the line. It doesn't matter right now. The other would be his takedown defense, but his get up game seems pretty damn on point. And I don't think that the top control of Alan Patrick is what it once was. Like if you watch him in that Stevie Ray and Demir Hadzovich fight, the way he held them down, then you compare it to that Scotty fight. Like Scotty was looking like a prime Jose Aldo the way he got back up from bottom. So I'm confident that Mason Jones is going to be able to at least get back up if he gets taken down. And then on the feet, he's going to put the kind of pace on Patrick where you're going to see Patrick huffing and puffing by that three-minute mark in the first round, he's going to start backing up. And I'm going to say second or third round body shot knockout. Um, I'm going to go Mason Jones to finish this fight. Yeah, man, uh, I agree pretty much. Um, Patrick had his time. Tysonov, I think, uh, kind of put a halt to that. Then Scotty. Um, but, like, you know, Demir Hatsovich's ground game, I mean, he ain't never been known for his ground game, to be honest. And, you know, like you were saying, I want – no, the takedown defense could be um, a, a little issue, but I honestly think he's got the game to get up, and that'll be honestly perfect because that'll just make uh, Patrick get tired even more. So, um, and, and to be honest, going in, I had I definitely had Mike Davis um, going into that Mason Jones fight, but I, I respected Jones like before that fight. I was like, I mean, dude's dude's good, like um, two weight uh, champion in cage warrior. 
Lakers, a, a good promotion. And I mean, the pace he can put on, I mean, it is definitely legit. Um, uh, some of them shots that he got hit with by Mike Davis, I was surprised that he just kept going. Um, like, like <laughs> I was expecting him to get floored, honestly. But uh, I mean, props to him for keep going. And I mean, uh, Patrick, um, it just I don't think he, he can uh, withstand that type of damage uh, these days. Um, like you were saying, he's very predictable. He charges in with the left hand. I mean, even in the wrestling clinch exchanges in his last fight with Bobby Green, I mean, Bobby Green was out there looking like a Division One wrestler. So, uh, I mean, I, I think the grappling has diminished. All the skills have diminished. Um, Alan Patrick had a good run, man. I mean, had to beat Stevie Ray, beat uh, Hatsovich, beat John McDessie. I mean, you know, he had a good run, um, but him and his teammate Jacare, man, we, we know uh, that they're on their way out, but they've had good runs. But, yeah, I see Mason Jones finally getting his first UFC win. Um, that fight with Mike Davis, man, that was that was a good fight. Um, like, I, I see Mike Davis having a, a good career, too, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's not even the fact that he didn't go down from those Mike Davis shots. It's also the fact he didn't look discouraged. He didn't look like, nah, he like just kept going. Yeah. I was like, like some wow, guys he's... get hit those body <laughs> shots. Don't do those body shots. Mike Davis was landing like other guys. Like they'll, they'll put on facial expressions. They'll back up. They'll take a knee. This kid was just walking forward like it was nothing. So let's see uh, what kind of pace uh, Patrick can keep up with. I'm very excited about this fight. Now, another fight I'm very excited about in the welterweight division, we got Muslim Salikov. He's 17-2. He's welcoming Francisco Masuranduba Trinaldo to the welterweight division. Uh, Trinaldo's 26-7. Currently, they got Muslim Salikov minus 240. The comeback on Francisco Trinaldo is plus 200. Anyone that's been listening to the show knows I'm a massive fan of Trinaldo. I mean, how can you not respect this guy? Um, at one point, he had a seven-fight win streak in the UFC. He's got a big left hand, hurts a lot of people with that left hand, even just knocked out his last opponent with it. That left hand has been money for years. I know you remember when he knocked out Chad LaPree back in the day. Um, the amount of times he dropped Yancey with that left hand and also don't sleep on his ground game either. He's got wrestling. He's got jujitsu to go along with it. He's strong as an ox. I mean, they call him uh, Masuranduba, which I believe translates to Brazilian Redwood. So, I mean, you just know you're in for a fight when you're fighting a guy like Trinaldo. And I respect him so much. He's 42 years old. He's like an ageless wonder. I remember when he was 36 years old and people were talking about, like, oh, this guy's on his way out. He made it all the way to 42. He's still winning fights. So, I, I love Trinaldo, man. Yeah. Um, man, I'm, I'm excited. Oh, my bad. No, uh, I'm, excited oh, for, <laughs> I'm excited for this fight, man, because... Dude, I actually just rewatched uh, Salikov and Eliza, man. I actually, man, I, I actually, I don't want to I kind of scored it for Salak, uh, Salikov uh, rewatching. I mean, um, dude definitely won, definitely won the later half of that fight. Yeah. And I mean, look, if you, I, I was going to get to it, but since you meant, since you brought it up, like that first round, Salikov was winning like four minutes of that first round, but then he got like dropped. So it's like, do you favor the four minutes Salikov was winning or do you favor Zaleski almost finishing it in those last like 10 seconds? So that first round was kind of hard to score. But like the majority of that fight was Muslim kind of picking him apart a little bit. But Zaleski did have some moments. But back, back to this. So obviously the respect I have for Trinaldo, I mean, I love that guy. But man, moving up a weight class where, you know, he's kind of short for 170 pounds and and that last fight against Jai Herbert, you know, Jai Herbert's not Jai Herbert's the guy that got knocked out by Reese McKee. Let, let's just get that out the way. And, and secondly, that was his UFC debut. Salikov's been in the UFC like almost half a decade now. 
And one thing I like about Salikov is that obviously everybody's got to love his counter striking. I mean, <laughs> the spins are so goddamn fast. His accuracy, it, it, he's got, he hits like a truck as well. Um, I like everything about his striking. I guess maybe you could criticize its low volume at times, but it's not like other people are getting off on volume against him and he's just sitting back he's able to slow these fights down because his opponents fear the counters that are coming at him and then when they finally commit to something they they get hit clean whether it's that counter right whether it's that spin whatever the case may be his takedown defense is improving a lot too his get up game is getting better he's even hitting takedowns of his own these days so basically in in a fight like this i think the first round is going to be the most competitive but I do see Trinaldo starting to slow down as the fight progresses. And you start to slow down against a guy like Salikov. And, um, man, I mean, I I've seen these guys like Jai Herbert drop Trinaldo. And it's not because, you know, Trinaldo is not a warrior. It's not because, dude, he's 42, man. Father time does not give a fuck who you are. And you can get dropped against Jai Herbert and come back and win the fight. I just don't see him getting dropped by Salikov and coming back and winning this fight, man. So, you know, it's again, I love Trinaldo and I hope if him and his people hear this breakdown that they know I got all the respect in the world for them. But I got to go with Salikov here probably via second round knockout man something down the pipe something that he doesn't see coming a counter just stuff the early wrestling attempt because people betting trinaldo here just want him to come out here and take salikov to the mat which i completely understand look if he takes salikov's back if he jumps on a guillotine yeah and you bet salikov fuck <laughs> you're gonna be sweating it but I, I i truly believe that trinaldo only has one round of wrestling in him and, and that was evidence in that last fight and I do. I'm happy he's not cutting weight. I'm happy he's moving up, but uh, I think he'll be gassed by the end of the first round. And after that, I, I think you're going to see one of the best strikers in the welterweight division go to work. So I'm going Muslim Salikov to to win this fight and probably get a knockout. Yeah, um, Salikov's counters, man, are, are are sharp. I mean, they're as sharp as it gets. Um, the low volume thing. I mean, yeah, I agree. It's just it's you can't really. I mean, when you look at them fights against uh, Stara Pauly and um, even Elizu and uh, what was the other one? Ricky Rainey. I mean, they the dudes are hesitant to to go first against him man, because they know uh, that that counter is coming. And I mean, you don't know what it could be a spin, it could be a straight, it could be a left hook. Um, I mean, you don't you don't really know. So I think Salikov's counters, man, are as sharp as it gets at welterweight. His last fight with Elizu, you know, after that first round, he uh, you know Elizu won that first round. But in the second round, man, when after Elizu hurt him again, it almost seemed like that lit a fire on uh, a fire on him because from probably like three minutes left in the second round to the end. I mean, he was picking Eliza apart, like hitting him with some good left hooks. So I definitely see why he uh, got that decision down there in Abu Dhabi. Um, as far as Ronaldo goes, yeah, I mean, even in his fights with like John McDessie and um, and Bobby Green, I mean, there is a lot of swinging and missing with that left hand. And, it, and, it, and if you're consistently swinging and missing with those left hands against those guys and Trinado's an aggressive guy Trinado's a real fighter he's not gonna you know like he, he's not gonna just sit, sit back and uh you know accept getting pointed like he will he will like try to come forward and and if he's swinging like no and John McDessie's a good counter striker as well good point fighter um Bobby Green as well but 
those guys aren't on Salikov's level when it comes to counter-striking. So I see Salikov, honestly, man, I wouldn't be shocked if this was, like, similar to the Nordine fight or um, the Ricky Rainey fight where Chanado missed something big and, and paid the price and, and got countered. Um, I think Salikov needs a little bit more credit for that last fight. Honestly, Eliza was, like, 8-2 and two in the UFC, and, and, I mean, that was a, a good test. And, and even when it came to the takedown, since the Garcia fight, I mean, it's takedown defense because uh, Elizu will hit, you know, hit 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 dudes with a double leg or two, um, and he stuffed that pretty easily. And his fight with um with the uh, Nordine and all these guys, man, when they clinch, I mean, he's shrugging it off a lot more easily easily than he uh, did against uh, Alex Garcia. You know, I, he I th I feel like he's bounced back very nicely from that, man. So um, I'm gonna pick him for the win here as well, um, whether it's decision knockout. Um, I think Trinado can only win this fight by, uh, uh, I don't want to say a lucky punch, but he has to, he has to knock Muslim out, in my opinion. Yeah, or get an early sub, which uh, is going to be tough to do. Yeah, I don't see it, man. <laughs> I just think uh, Salikov's distance, man, is just, if you make a bad step coming in, man, you could pay the price. I mean, I know it's Ricky Rainey, but... Man, that was a vicious knockout, man. Like, uh, and I know everyone pretty much does whatever they want to Ricky Rainey, but uh, I mean, that was a nice counter, man. And to 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 in Eliza, to to play that type of distance game with a Capoeira guy like that and have success, I mean, it was impressive. Now, next up in the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Tanner Bozer. He's nineteen and seven. He's taking on Ilir Latifi, who's fourteen and eight. Currently, they got. What are the odds for this fight? Hold on one second. All right, here we go. Currently, they got Tanner Bozer minus 190. The comeback on Alila Latifi is plus 165. So, Shaq, I got to give you a lot of credit, man, because you were the guy that said not to play Tanner Bozer against Arlovsky despite the massive age gap. You were also the guy that Max Bet faded Alila Latifi in his last fight against Black Beast. So I think you might have a good read on this fight. Tell us, uh, Tell us what the deal is. Um, yeah, I mean, Tanner Bozer is just, uh, he's got solid footwork, uh, more of like a, a point fighting heavyweight, like good footwork side to side, um, throws a lot of low kicks and Latifi, man, I, I, I'm a little curious on this one because I'm not too high on Bozer, not saying that he's a bad fighter. I just don't like when I see him at lines like this, I'm a little skeptical because I, I feel like he's more of an underdog guy, but I know he did knock out Pessoa and uh, Felipe Lenz, but it turns out that Felipe Lenz, it might just be a complete, I mean, I, a, did he just get pulled off a card for missing weight or what? Nah, he got sick, but I mean, oh. look, he, he, he got a million dollars, bro. He, he, bro, he don't need this I, shit. I don't think Felipe Lenz wants to fight. <laughs> um, would would you want to fight can... if you had a million dollars? <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. And then you got Rafael Pessoa. I mean, dude, like barely beat Jeff. I mean, you know, I, I just felt like Tanner Bozier's always been a little overhyped. I still feel that way, um, especially now. And I'm not, I've never been high on Alir Latifi. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I've never been high on Alir Latifi. But one thing I want to say is I was, I don't want to say impressed by his performance against Lewis, but I, I, I mean, that fight was coming down to the wire. I, mean, I remember live, I was like, bro, like, Derek, like, like, why isn't he, uh, why is this guy still conscious, man? Like, um, <laughs> I, like, Alir did a good job of stalling. I mean, but that's what I'm, 
uh, I hate to say it, like, I feel like this fight could be, like, very, like, not entertaining. Like, I would not be shocked if this fight was a snooze fest. Tanner Bozer, I know he had the two knockouts, but I still feel like his style, all in all, is a guy that struggles to pull the trigger at times, is very hesitant, sometimes holds back. And I know Arlovsky has good counters as well, but I feel like when the puzzle is a little more complex, he'll struggle more, man. These guys like Spitz, Linz, and 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 Rafael um, and Pessoa, like I'm not convinced they're going to be in the UFC a year from now. You know, Spitz might already be gone. I'm not sure. But um, and, and Latifi, Look, nothing, nothing. He's got good experience at 205, but at heavyweight, I was surprised he performed like that. I mean, like, he ate some shots. He did not get knocked out. Heavyweight might be a better weight class for him. Um, I feel like he could tie Tanner Bozer up in the clinch, stall out time like that, maybe even get the takedowns here and there, or, you know, have a power edge in the hands. I I wouldn't be shocked. I feel like Tanner Bozer is a solid point fighter but if he if he is hesitant then this line is going to be is going to see this fight's going to be real close i feel like athletically i know he had the knockouts and i'm not taking that away from him but athletically i i i just see him as like a a middle of the pack type of guy like i don't see like a top 15 future or any anything like that like I think the dude's a little overrated, but mm, it's going to be a close fight in my opinion, man. I honestly think, like, I would not be shocked if heavyweight's a better weight class for, for Latifi. I don't know what was going on at um, 205. He definitely, that Ozdemir fight definitely wasn't a good look. Um, but the fact that he hung in there with Black Beast like that for all three rounds, well, that's something I don't think Tanner Bozer can do. So, um <laughs> I'm actually take I'm gonna actually take Latifi in an upset, man. I don't know how, but I'm gonna say just by like a stall out decision, he kills time in the clinch, frustrates him, makes him very hesitant, and, and just kind of like weasels a decision here or something like that. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Latifi. I just I, I don't I'm not sold on Tanner Bozer. Um, but we'll see. Dudes have got good footwork, good point fighter, but I, I think the line's a little steep. Well, I, I think the reason it wouldn't be close between Bozer and Black Beast is because Bozer wouldn't try to, like, you know, wrestle him. Bozer yeah, would try yeah, to, yeah, yeah, he would stand with him. He'd stand with him and get knocked out. So, But uh, this is tough for me, too, just because I don't really have, like, a reference point of what Tanner Bozer's defensive grappling is like. I think you'd probably have to go back to pre-UFC footage, and it's like I'm sure he's improved since then. So... I don't I don't know. Like how's his takedown defense? How's his get up game? It could be good, it could be bad. Like I he's just been banging in most of his or point fighting in most of his UFC fights. So it's kind of tough to call. And then with Latifi on the feet, the volume difference is gonna be big. If they stand at range, I think that Bozer's gonna outpoint him. It's just a big question of what happens if Latifi pins him up against the fence, if he mixes in takedowns. I I don't fucking know. I really do not know. Um, because I haven't seen those are really tested in that area, at least in a long ass time. So I'm going to go with Bozer just because I think that he is the natural heavyweight, even though people were talking about him dropping down. I think that he's the natural heavyweight. I think that he's got twice the output. But if there are some holes in his grappling game and in his wrestling and his in his defense, then that could be exploited here. I just don't know if there is or isn't. So I'll pick Tanner, but it's not a confident pick because of those reasons I mentioned. 
Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Montana De La Rosa. She's 11 and 6. She's taking on Ariane Lipsky, the queen of violence, Shaq. She's 13 and 6. Currently, they got Montana De La Rosa minus 275. They come back on Ariane Lipsky's plus 235. Look, I remember when we were the guys that, you know, called out uh, the queen of violence or the queen of fraudulence from day one when she fought Molly McCann down the street in South Carolina. And, you know, you took that plus 250 and people were giving a shit for that. Now, all of a sudden, everyone wants to lay minus 300 on Montana De La Rosa. Now, look, don't get me wrong. You got to favor Montana De La Rosa just because there is a massive there's a massive hole in that ground game of Lipsky's, and she just simply ain't the toughest. But, I mean, some of these Montana De La Rosa fights, to lay minus 300 when I know there's literally only one path to victory, I think she gets that path to victory on the map. But I'm not impressed with Montana's stand-up. And Montana was hanging on for dear life in half of these fights, too. So, look, pick them fight. I, I got Montana just because of the big edge on the map. But when you're talking minus 300, I want all the factors to be covered, and I don't think that the stand-up factor is covered. Um, but Lipsky just ain't the toughest, man. That's really what it is. So I think that Montana gets on top of her. I think you know she could take her back. She could ground and pound her. She could do a lot of things. So I'm gonna go with Montana. But again, this price, I don't. I personally do not feel comfortable laying minus three hundred on Montana De La Rosa. Period. Point blank. But she'll be my she'll be my pick to win uh, via something on the mat. Yeah, man, it's a tough one because you know it is the line is wide. It almost you know makes you want to take a shot shot on Lipsky just to just to hope maybe it's one to one, maybe you know, and who knows? But man, uh, but as I'm thinking on that side, the other side of me is thinking maybe this is true, man. Because just think about it real quick, like. Although Montana De La Rosa, you know, necessarily never been that high on her, her, her last two fights, I feel like even though there were losses, in my opinion, like I still feel like there were steps forward and she showed a lot of toughness, like um, like Viviani Arujo, like uh, I know she lost her last fight, but some people, a lot of people think she beat Chukagian, like she's on that, she can fight on that level on the, on the given day, you know, Caitlin Chukagian's number one, if I'm not number one, two, you know, somewhere in that range, and then her fight with uh, Myra Bueno Silva, same thing as well, like, um, we knew Bueno definitely had the hole in her wrestling, which Montana definitely exploited, like props to her, but I was surprised she kept going, I mean, we know Bueno throws with uh, serious violent intentions, and and she ate those shots. She kept. Uh, then she dominated the the very last round. Like I was, I was like, damn, Montana, you know, nose was busted up. Like she dug down deep. Something I know Lipsky struggles to do. So like I'm thinking like, and, and one one thing I will say about the striking, I think the striking improved too because uh, she hit she hit Myra Bueno with some good right hands like in that fight as well. Like Myra Bueno didn't leave that fight unscathed. <laughs> like Myra Bueno got got hurt too, man. Um, like I, I, like I was, I think she's in the right direction. Like she's going to Colorado. I know Lipsky went to ATT, but I've been saying this from day one with Lipsky, man. Like I have those KSW fights, man, where like, like she beat like Deanna Belbita and like, like, you know, and she was like, argue, argue, like honestly, arguably losing that fight up until the armbar. <laughs> like, like, and then Molly McCann is out here having absolute clinics against her. Not saying that Mo uh, Molly McCann looked like prime Frankie Edgar like, in that fight. Molly McCann is out here looking like an American Division One wrestler out there. Like, it, <laughs> like, 
maybe this is true. like if Montana is digging down deep and getting the takedowns down the stretch against Myra Bueno Silva and, and hanging in there with VVR uh, uh, Ruchon, maybe she should deserve to be, you know, maybe not, maybe not minus 300, but you know, two to one or something like that. But the, the fact, like, the fact that she's getting dominated by Antonina, like Antonina Shevchenko like that on the ground is like, well, Antonina's got no ground game. So what do you think Montana's going to do? You know, like, um, like maybe this is, I'm taking Montana, man, for the win here. I think she, I think she's on the right track. Like she's super positive, man. Like I was surprised by her toughness in some of those fights. I I, I truly thought there was a chance that Myra Blano Silva made it, was gonna make her take a knee with one of those shots, and and she uh and she kept going. So uh like I was impressed with her performance in the third round. So uh, I'll take her for the win. I'm gonna say by a TKO, like ground and pound or a rear naked choke. Like Lipsky, JoJo, you know JoJo's top five. So I guess you know, we'll excuse her from that. But JoJo put on an absolute clinic. I mean, like, was literally doing anything she wanted to her. Uh, followed that up by Meatball McCann. Um, then she fought a chick who came in on one day notice. Um, they, they that, that girl had, got on top. That girl got on <laughs> like top. Like, that girl got on top of her. Then we turned that into um, the Luana Carolina fight. Look, props to her, but, like, you know, I think Carolina just like pulled, made him like I'm not convinced that happens if they fight again. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, look, look, K- Carolina, Carolina's a Muay Thai striker. You're not about to come out here and knee bar Montana. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, like, like exactly. Like she's not knee barring Montana, and then the la- and then you turn that into getting like absolutely dominated by a chick with no ground game. Like she was hitting head and arm throws on you like with ease. Maybe Montana is the lock of the night for all I know. Shit. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I'm going Montana. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Makwan Amir Khani. He's 16 and five. He's welcoming Kamuela Kirk, who was 11 and four, to the octagon. Currently, they got Makwan Amir Khani minus 220. The comeback on Kamuela Kirk is plus 180. So, for those that don't know, Kamuela Kirk was the kid that fought Billy. Uh, Quarantillo on contender series. He dominated him that first round, gassed out. You know what happens when you gas out against a guy like Billy Q. Do not gas out against Billy Q. Um, but I got to give Kamala Kirk a lot of credit because, at, you know, that night I was like, man, this guy's never going to be in the UFC. But I've been sitting uh, at home a couple nights watching some LFA fights and I see Kamala Kirk come up and He's been impressing me, man. This guy has been getting a lot better. He's been putting, uh, he's been paying his dues. He's been putting in his work. So he earned his opportunity to be here. But uh, Shaq, this is a tough fight here against uh, Mr. Finland, Amir Khani. Even though Mr. Finland is kind of one-dimensional, he's experienced as fuck. And the only guys to beat him in the UFC, Arnold Allen, top 10 guy shane burgos top 15 guy edson barboza top 15 guy so these are the only guys that have beat him but stylistically this is interesting because kirk is a black belt too and i'd actually say he's got better striking than amir khani so if he can stop this uh takedown game of amir khani this could get interesting and we talk about you know maybe a cardio issue for kirk if if that's really true i don't know if it was just an adrenaline dump or if i don't know what it is but Amir Khani ain't got the best gas tank either. So wh- wh- what do you think, Shaq? Because I actually uh, think this one might play out closer than the line indicates. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, Kirk 
it's solid. I know he trains at Fight Ready with like Sohudo and uh, Coach Cha and Coach Sancho. He's got the team behind him. Like I see him. Uh, I see Bruno, like Bruno Bulldog, taking pictures with him and stuff like that. So I mean, he's he's around the good uh, <coughs> around good guys. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I think actually it's gonna be a close fight. Like Amir Khani, we know his striking ain't the best, but where I see this like thing is, I feel like this is gonna be like that tease, like. Where you know Kirk, Kirk, the fight's gonna be close, but I just think like situationally, like execution-wise, like especially I know he's a black belt, but like when you have that experience against them guys, and yeah, he got his ass beat, uh, Americani um, against Burgos and 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 Edson Barbosa, like, but at the same time, it's not like we expected him to win those fights. Like we we knew he was gonna get beat up. Uh, the Barbosa fight was a fill-in for Sodiq Yusuf. You know, he was just kind of doing the UFC uh, a, a favor right there. And Burgos, you know, is just too big, too physical for him. Like I didn't I didn't expect him to win those fights, but I do think he gained some experience. He knows what those guys those those type of guys feels like. He knows what an Arnold Allen feels like. Um, but at the same time, we do know that he he kind of he could be a liability on the standup at any given moment. He has been dropped, you know, several times before. Um, but yeah, Kamala Kirk is a solid guy. I, I feel like this is just going to be a solid back and forth fight. But Amir Khan is just going to, you know, steal the rounds at the end, make a good decision down the down the end. Where Kamala Kirk, you know, probably just due to a lack of experience under the bright lights in the UFC is going to be a step behind. But yeah, I wouldn't blame anyone taking a shot like on, on Kamala Kirk. He is a banger. He has a good camp behind him. Um, a lot of guys gas out against Billy Corncio. I mean, Billy, they start beating him up and they use all their energy. <laughs> and, then they, uh, and they're like, damn it. He's still here. Like, and then, um, you know, and then they, then they run out of gas, man. They, you know, but he was still pulling Ricky moves like that. Yeah, although, uh, Maquan pulled a similar thing against Burgos. Look how big Shane is. Like, like Shane is one of the bigger featherweights. And um, I, no one, I mean, did you expect him to beat Shane in New York, in Madison Square Garden? I, I, I didn't think so. So <laughs> I think, uh, I think Maquan's going to win this fight by like a 29-28, like unanimous type decision. Like maybe Kamala Kirk can win around, but down the stretch, the experience will pay out. Yeah, no, I I feel you there. I mean, I think that's the most likely outcome. It's just uh, I didn't know he was training at Fight Ready. You know, Fight Ready changes lives. I mean, look, Henry Cejudo was already a A1 athlete. He goes to Fight Ready, becomes a champ champ. Patricio Pitbull was already a great athlete, goes to Fight Ready, becomes a champ champ. Eric Anders was already a D1 athlete, goes to Fight Ready, knocks out Darren Stewart in the first round. So I think that when these guys go to Fight Ready, they, they whatever they're doing over there, it's working, man. And um, as far as this matchup is concerned, you know that Makwan Amirkani has been dropped five times in his last five fights, in three of those five fights, but five knockdowns altogether. Now, granted, Edson Barboza, Shane Burgos, you know, no shame again dropped by them. And Jason Knight, too. By the way, Jason Knight's fighting my boy, uh, I mean, Charles Bennett. You know, Jason Knight's the king of bare knuckle. You know, he's fighting Charles Bennett. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's knocking Charles Bennett out. I mean, Charles Bennett's on a 14 fight losing streak, but uh, yeah, but uh, you know, he's, it, like I said, you know, he's not, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, I kind of want to take the dog in this spot, I, but it's just the experience is what's holding me back because you know, if it is that one to one going in that third round situation, they're both kind of tired. Who can push harder? I think that maybe Maquan could get that last takedown and stuff like that, but if 
Kerr comes out here with the right game plan, sprawl and brawl, like, hey, we don't got to show off our jujitsu black belt. Why don't we just stuff all his takedowns, make him tired, and then, you know, go into the room. Well, you have a big edge, and Kirk is a better striker than Amir Khani here. And if it, and again, I don't think that Billy Q thing was a cardio thing. I think it's exactly what you're talking about. Like, Billy Q is one of these guys that'll take your ass whooping up front, and then you start to slow down on him, you empty that tank, then, then he'll go off on you. And I think that's what happened there. And I also think that he, the kid went back to the regional scene, paid his dues. Now I think he's ready. I was very impressed with these LFA fights. Like, I remember watching him. I was like, oh, that's the guy that lost to Billy Q. But then I saw him. I was like, damn, this, this dude's been putting in work. So, oh, it's so tough because Amir Khani is so much more experienced. But I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to take the plus 220 dog here. I'm going to go with Kirk to stuff these takedowns, and get the better of the boxing exchanges. Hopefully, he doesn't gas out, and let's see what happens. I'll go with the dog. Now, next up in the middleweight division, we got a matchup between Tom Breeze, who's 12 and 3. He's taking on Antonio Ahoyo, who's 9 and 4. And currently, they got Tom Breeze minus 250. The comeback on Antonio Arroyo is plus uh, 210. So, already, I'm like minus 250 on a guy like Tom Breeze. I mean, listen. Yeah, is Tom Breeze the more skilled guy? Probably. He's got clean hands. He's got a decent leg lock game to go around uh, along with it. He's experienced. He's been in there with some really good guys. Granted, he's lost to all the good guys he's fought, but he's definitely more experienced than Ahoyo. Um, it's just that he, despite him being the better guy, you can't trust a guy like Breeze at a line like this because at any moment, you know, if he's if he wakes up that day and he ain't feeling quite right, look, I, I applaud Tom Breeze. You know, he's come forth about his struggles with anxiety. I know that that stuff is no joke at all. So man to man, I got all the respect in the world for him. But fighting in the octagon, if that shit isn't behind you, if that shit isn't in check, it'll affect you in these fights. And you've seen it in two of his last three fights. Look, when he fought KB Bueller, you guys remember my breakdown. I said, this fight has absolutely nothing to do with KB Bueller. This fight has everything to do with Tom Breeze because KB Bueller doesn't belong in the UFC. This should be easy work for Tom Breeze. And I, and I said, if KB Bueller wins that fight, it's not because uh, KB Bueller is some top prospect. It's because, you know, Tom Breeze, you know, isn't there meant to know, uh, KB Bueller got a two and out the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we, you know, we, we don't even want him in the NFC, but, uh, no. <laughs> but, uh, here in this fight, man, it, it's one of these situations where our, Hoyo, I was under the impression that he might be kind of a dummy, but then I heard him talk. He's actually, he's actually really well-spoken. He's actually a smart individual. So he's not a dummy. The issue was the gas tank. When you, when you're completely fatigued, that's when you start to make dumb decisions. He said for this camp, he went down to Albuquerque, which is, you know, high altitude high elevation to work specifically on that area so hopefully hopefully he's got more gas than two minutes this time now it could be a weight class issue because you look at a guy like arroyo he's so goddamn big you think like man if this guy didn't cut weight, he could go up to 205 he's so fucking huge so maybe those weight cuts take everything out of him but i don't know man he's a very hard kicker i like his distance i don't think his ground game is that bad i mean he went in there three rounds with muniz he didn't get tapped out i know he did some dumb shit in that fight but he did not get tapped out by muniz and that's a huge deal i mean you lock a guy in there with 15 minutes with muniz and i expect him to get tapped out he didn't get tapped out so Are you, i got uh... Are you implying he's better than Jack or Ann? Like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but all I'm saying is that here, look, Breeze, he's got good hands. He's got a good leg lock game. But what else does he got? I mean, if things don't go Tom Breeze's way, he, he checks out. He'll live to fight another day. That's just 
that's just who he is. That's who he's always been. He's not the strongest upstairs. Um, but he is a very talented kid. He is big for the weight class. He's six foot three. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that being said, man, I think Ahoyo is the hungry guy here. I think he desperately wants a win. I think when you're talking about a man with his back up against the wall and he's plus 210. And also another thing he said, because I heard his interview, like I said, I was thinking this guy was some dummy, but he's actually really smart. So it was actually just a cardio issue. He said that he's a guy that's big on visualization and picturing the fight and studying his opponents. He said his last two fights, he had like three switch ups. You're supposed to fight Anders and he's supposed to fight this guy. And he's supposed to fight that guy. So he said his last few fights were big switch ups, whereas this camp, he's had the entire camp to focus just on Tom Breeze. And um, I think he's going to come out here and get his first UFC win. I don't know how he's going to do it. I just think that if shit starts to get real, like, yeah, just because one, just because Arroyo's a gasser, I mean, what happens when shit gets real for Tom Breeze, man? It never goes well. So I'm going to go Arroyo to find a way to win here, get his first UFC win, and cash a big underdog ticket. Yeah. Um, I, this fight kind of reminds me of like uh, Mike Rodriguez and Marcos, not, uh, not Marcos, but uh, Marquez. Uh, Danilo Marquez, kind of like it's like it's not even about Arroyo being you know a dummy or card bad card. It's just like why is Tom Breeze still this big of a favorite? You know, like I just don't like he was the favorite over Brendan Allen. You know, I, we actually uh, bet on Brendan Allen. He uh, he's the favorite over Omari Akhmedov, like a top fifteen guy. And now even though Arroyo's you know a letdown and all that good stuff, he's over. Two and a half, like, like, gee, like, man, this is like Tom Breeze could be a favorite over anybody, man. I'm not convinced. Uh, I'm losing the uh, what weight class 185. I'm not convinced the uh, Muniz would be a favorite over him, man. At this point, <laughs> like, uh, you know, I think uh, Breeze just got that that thing in the books or something, man. But look, I think the key to this fight for Arroyo is resistance. He has to create resistance for Tom Breeze, man. Just make him actually have to to fight make him actually have to win this fight like don't i look duran i know duran win is uh you know five well how tall is he five 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 six and arroyo He's five uh, four but uh, uh and arroyo definitely you know i mean as the fight progressed there was no resistance on those takedowns i agree but Tom Breeze doesn't really hit takedowns. Like, if you create resistance on Tom Breeze, he drops for the leg lock. So if Arroyo can come prepared for this, like, leg lock and, and like, you know, pound the mirrors in and, 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 make, and make them really, you know, think about fighting, man, this fight should definitely, definitely be lying closer because I would rather have Antonio Arroyo's issues. I'm not trying to, you know, talk about that situation or at all, but, like, the things that Arroyo has – issues with is just a, a, a lack of guidance. He's actually a, a, a banker um, uh, or a, like, a, an, a, you know, one of them dudes that work in a bank, like in Brazil or something like that. Um, and Very he, well and spoken. He, <laughs> and, he, and, he gave, and he gave that up to, to do fighting. So, you know, I think uh, Arroyo has more at this point, I think he's got more uh, potential. And, you know, I have been, you know, uh, I did see him uh, with the man, what's the, the dude that uh, knocked out uh, Baccarola. He knocked out, uh, he knocked out, uh, not Fidad. But I did see him and uh, my boy Arroyo running the mountains, you know, on, on, on live. They, 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 he's been in Albuquerque with, you know, Devin Clark. And so, I mean, he, he, let's see, he's in the right environment now. You know, let's see what happens. I'm going to take him for the win here. 
Tom Breeze, man, he's got a good left hand. He, he does have the jujitsu. And, and if he can hit, hit a Royal with one of those leg locks, would it surprise me? No. But I, I think that, like, the fact that he's banking on techniques like that, like, he doesn't want to, you know, he did take Omari Akhmedov's back briefly, which was a, a, a good transition there. But, you know, Omari needs a rest after he, he uh, after he starts smashing you a little bit. I, you know, <laughs> Omari. Uh... Real quick, when's the last time you saw Omari just come out and just smash someone like that? Like, like he just <laughs> was fucking teeing like, off on him, man. I honestly thought that fight could have got stopped before he took his back. But, you know, props to Breeze for hanging in there um but it's just like in the in the two fights since he's been besides kb bueller brendan allen and omar you can tell that like that's his quit position like if we create resistance on them takedowns he will drop for a leg lock and, and start getting his head smashed in and, and, and possibly even cover up man so i hope arroyo comes ready Hopefully that training in the mountains in Albuquerque uh, pays off because I just don't I don't agree with Tom Breeze being lying this high against unless he's fighting KB Bueller or or uh, you know you know uh, the dude that beat KB Bueller or so, I don't know <laughs> what's his name <laughs> <I'm not. Michael laughs> yeah like I don't think he should ever be minus two fifty man so I think Arroyo although he uh, like you said Duran Win look. Is five five, but let's be honest, he's a good wrestler. Like the dude's like a serious college wrestler. <laughs> like if there's anything Duran can do, he can wrestle. You know what I'm saying? He did take down. It's not like uh, he Duran win is five, but I mean he lost to Mershart, who's got like what the most subs at, at eighty five. Um, uh, Darren Stewart, you know, so, de decent guy, and it's not like Duran wins a, a, a complete you know can or something like i mean the bottom line is breeze doesn't shoot takedowns so yeah exactly. Gives a fuck. So, exactly like deron win i got deron win over breeze i mean straight up so <laughs> <laughs> yeah now next up in the middleweight division we got a matchup between dushko todorovic he's 10 and 1 he's taking on gregory robocop rodriguez who's 9 and 3 Currently, they got Dushko Todorovic minus 145. The comeback on Gregory Robocop is plus 125. So I'm really glad they signed this kid, Gregory, man, because um, he, he's a Brazilian banger. He's killer be killed. He's one of these guys that he's he's a big dude. He's six foot three. He hits like a truck. He's got a good jujitsu game to go along with it. He's paid his dues on the regional scene. I'm very excited because he's the kind of guy that you're either going to knock him out or he's going to knock you out. And even like I so the first fight I watched was the Jordan Williams fight. And then I went back and watched his past fights and watched his, you know, more recent fights. And even the Jordan Williams fight, despite him getting knocked out, like he looked like a big, scary dude in there and he was swinging some heavy leather. So no matter what him and Jordan Williams run it 10 times, I could see either guy getting knocked out the way those two were exchanging in that first round. But he goes back to the LFA scene, wins the belt, and now he's fighting Dushko. And interestingly enough, him and Dushko were supposed to fight on the regional scene a couple of years back. So they're very familiar with each other. Dushko is a kid I like a lot. Um, I think that his striking in the pocket especially, I like it a lot. I love his hands. I like his entries to his takedowns. His ground and pound is vicious. I like his athleticism. I like his head movement. The, the, my only issue with Dushko is that he plays with fire. I mean, he fights with his hands down. He relies on his head movement. And when he's not getting hit, it's going to look super pretty uh, the way he's weaving and bobbing and, you know, dodging these shots and all that stuff and moving out of moving out the way of head kicks. Like, it's going to look really nice. It's just that with that specific style, listen, man, these shots are going to land even cleaner on him, you know, because it's not like they're grazing a 
you know, grazing the hand and then touching his chin. They're just touching his chin 100% clean impact because his hands are completely down and his chin is up in the air. And those are the kind of things that people are going to make you pay for. So it, I wish you could fix that because he's still a young kid. He's a very smart individual. You hear him talk. You're like, God damn, this is this is, this is a highly intelligent kid. So he's got all the skills, man. It's just like, can you fix that one? It's, it's not even that it's a hole. Because it's more of like a choice. It's his choice to fight with his hands down because he likes relying on his head movement. He likes relying on his speed, his athleticism. And he's going to get away with it against a lot of people. It's just that here against Gregory Robocop, this motherfucker hits hard, man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, someone's going to get knocked out in this fight, Shaq. I'm leaning Dushko just because of the UFC experience. He's had the full camp here. Um I think he's the kind of kid that can go back and learn from his mistakes. You know, like we were alluding to earlier after the Daquan fight, he got his first 50 K bonus. You know about that 50 K curse. When those young kids get that first 50 K bonus, they lose focus. He said in his interviews, he lost focus. He said that he had so many goddamn things going on. He wasn't even focusing on the fight. Now, don't get me wrong. Puna might've beat him anyways, just because you know, your hands are down against a hard hitter like Puna. <laughs> yeah, that's, what I, that's what I think it's about. <laughs> you, know, you might lose anyways, but he, but he said that, he was he said that he got his head on straight for this fight. So let's see if that's really the case. Either guy could get knocked out here. They both hit super hard. They're both uh susceptible to getting hit. So I could see it go either way, but I'm gonna lean with Dushko Todorovic uh, to get this one done here. Yeah, I think uh, if you fight Puna Haley Soriano with your hands down, <laughs> don't be shocked when you go unconscious. Uh, I he, think he was that... looking good un until the knockdowns, too, though. So you know, I think uh Man, I, I'm I'm curious about this fight because I'm not really high on uh, on RoboCop. Yeah, I think he's got uh, he's a banger, but like I, I, he's a mus he's very muscular, and I can already see uh, you know the the path to beat him is just making him work. Uh, you know, make the muscles get make the muscles get tired, make them, and then it'll start huffing and puffing. You can tell when he fought Jordan Williams. If that fight would have kept going, he would have been he would have gassed out as well. But I, I do think Jordan Williams has much better hands than Dusko. And, and I'm a little skeptical on on Todorovic, man. I, I like I think uh basically how we knew about him is because he he knocked out uh Michelle Pereira back in uh Serbia. But man, if you like watch the fight in my opinion you know maybe you guys tell me if i'm wrong but i don't know michelle pereira's got a lot of losses on his record man he's a very good athlete but he's got some a lot of losses on his record and i i think it's like one of those things where like i honestly think if they fought again then michelle would knock him out but you know you know hey like the shot that he knocked michelle out wasn't a Hard shot. Like, I honestly think Michelle was touching Todorovic. Like, I see the holes. Like, it's a consistent thing. So, it's nothing I expect Todorovic. Maybe he can work on it a little bit, but I think that's his style. He likes to to duck and dodge and and get guys to uh, miss punches against him and gas them out, put them against the fence and clinch them. Um, but other than Michelle, I question his competition level a, a little bit. Teddy Ash, like, that wasn't an impressive performance to me um, at all. Like not like it wasn't a good performance. Um, like he had to resort to pressing Teddy Ash up against the fence because Teddy Ash was getting off on punches against him because he was tired. Like I'm not convinced that he that this cardio that uh, you know he's known for is really all that man. Um, not saying that Gregory's is so that's a that's a good benefit and that's why I am slightly.
leaning uh, to Dorovich, but as far as a bet, like, I'm not convinced that Dorovich has proved enough to be played at chalk yet. Like, I, I still want to see more. I think that he, he, he kind of got hyped up from that Michelle Pereira win, and I think that every performance since then has been subpar, in my opinion. Um, I know it was Puna Haley, but, like, I mean, it really wasn't a competitive fight. Like, he got demolished, man. Um, uh, like, I mean, look, I, I see Gro uh, Robo. Uh, what's his What's his name? Rodriguez, Gregory Rodriguez. Like, I, the guys he knocked out on the LFA scene. But like, look at those dudes, man. There is nothing impressive. So yeah, I see it kind of possibly being close to a fifty-fifty fight. I'm not convinced that Orovich could press. Gregor, uh, Gregory up like that, considering his grappling background and his clinch and, and jujitsu uh, skills. Um, so, yeah, I see this being a dogfight. It's going to be down, you know, who wants it more? Um, will Gregory, will his muscles allow him to, to keep up the volume down the stretch? Will Dusko be conscious <laughs> enough, uh, you know, uh, by the second round? We'll see, man. But I'll, I'll take Todorovic, but I'll, but I'll say by, like, split decision, like a close back-and-forth fight, man. Um, but I, I'm not convinced about him, man. I think he needs to prove himself. Uh, like, like the uh, the Puna, the, the Teddy Ash fight, I was – and, you know, Daquan Townsend, I mean, like, everyone – like, if you can't beat Daquan, like, Daquan has no business being in the UFC. Um, I think, like, I don't even know how to, Daquan got signed off, uh, like, a short notice thing, you know, so. He um, smashed Daquan. <laughs> everyone smashed Daquan. <laughs> like, uh, Be Bevon Lewis hung on to Daquan for dear life, whereas Dusko the, put, him at, put him away. Daquan Townsend has lost every round in the UFC that he's been in. <laughs> <laughs> like, and that's just the honest truth about it. But I'm going to go with Tudor, Tudor Voyage by uh, split decision. Now, next up in the welterweight division, we got a matchup between Santiago Ponzinibbio. He's 27-4. and four. He's second on Miguel Baeza, who's 10-0. and 0. Currently, they got Miguel Baeza minus 125. The comeback on Santiago Ponzinibbio is plus 105. So, great fight. I mean, at one point, I thought Santiago Ponzinibbio was ready to challenge for a title around 2018. Went through some very unfortunate shit, man. Almost died. He's a big welterweight. They said he might need to move to 55s. I mean, he went through everything you could imagine. And then some. He comes back off the three-year layoff. Halfway across the world. Gets knocked out in the first round by Li Jing Liang. So he's seen better days. Now it's really about... And, and look, Miguel Baeza, fantastic prospect. I think I think Miguel Baeza's future is in the top 15, 100%. Um, it's really... My question here is... You know, Santiago, can we expect him to look a little better than that last fight? You know, he, he got the three-year layoff behind him. He got the first fight behind him. Now can we see a better version, you know, or some some semblance of what he used to be? Because what he used to be was a problem. What he used to be was a guy that outstruck Sean Strickland. What he used to be was a guy that face-planted Neil Magny. What he used to be was one of the best strikers in the welterweight division. So, I don't know, man. Do you do you think that now that he got the ring rust out the way, we might see a little bit of the signs of the old pawns? Or do you think that we can go ahead and close the book on Santiago and this is Baez's time? Yeah, I kind of differ a little bit, man. I think Pons was good, but I don't I don't like going back, maybe back then I might might have thought that, but before the before he fought uh Jing Liang, I went back and watched his fights. I don't think Pons was a real legitimate title challenger. Um beating Neil Magny doesn't Look, Neil Wait, so wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you don't think Pons could have beat Woodley? Because that's around the time that the. Um, but he would have had to beat guys before he got to Woodley. That he he would have he was scheduled to fight Usman. He would have probably got knocked off there. Um, you know, 
no, I don't think he would have made it to the title fight, but I think somebody Usman would have Usman would have got there regardless. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. I don't think he, but because like when he, even though he used to be, you know, you know, one of the best strikers, I also seen a guy that used to take a lot of damage. I mean, look back in some of those fights with Sean Strickland, like you were saying, uh, he did get dropped twice in those fights. Um, the fight with Nordin Taleb like was very close. He got hurt in that fight as well. Um, even the Magni fight, he definitely whipped Magni's ass, but he it wasn't like his face wasn't covered in blood. And in the Mike Perry fight, I honestly thought it was a sloppy performance. Like, um, they definitely won, definitely. I mean, but you know, it wasn't. I, it didn't come across to me that he was like a real title challenger, in my opinion. Not that he's not top. He wasn't top ten or top seven, whatever. But um, I think that he was a guy that always took a lot of damage. Very good offensively, but defensively, you know, not so much. Um, I know uh, they said. I know the Euro fans are still mad about that Gunnar Nelson fight, and they and they still <laughs> think that he. Uh, but you can't eye poke a chin. <laughs> but uh, I think, uh, but no, as far as this fight goes, man, I've been very high on Miguel Baeza since the contender series. And the reason why is because he, his, in his particular case, he, he didn't have one of these layup fights like, like you see a lot of these guys on contender series having, and then you, you know, you buy the hype. Like let's look at these, these last few seasons, for example, like Bahamandes or Cheyenne buys or Gloria or, uh, uh, Alexa Kamor, like there's, you could go down the list. Like they, they fought absolute cans and they were overhyped and you, and you saw what happened when they got to the UFC, but Miguel actually fought a real dude on contender series that missed weight by like eight pounds. And Miguel still fought him. You know, some guys, man, their opponent miss, miss, misses weight by eight pounds. Daniel, we, we already know they're out of there. They ain't taking that fight. But Miguel was like, Hey, I'll still fight him and get his money and i mean it was a good back and forth fight like miguel showed all the skills he can box he's got knockout power he's got a black belt in jujitsu and, and i think like going into the jing Liang fight i had to be real myself i said there is no possible way ponzanita what happened was unfortunate but there is no possible way he comes back the same fighter if all these things that uh happen are true just look at jeff neal like i had to be real with myself there as well i was like bro it's unfortunate what happened but like if you almost died, you know, like it's, I think you need to come back to a grappler. You know, I would not fight a guy that has knockout power. Um, I would, you know, take things very slow. And I feel like Pons, you know, look, maybe he doesn't have the choice, you know, uh, to, to, to call his fights, but I honestly just think he's taking the wrong matchups here considering what he went through health wise. I think that uh, it was evident instantly that he's much slower. His reactions are, he's still got those same defensive flaws, but now I don't think he's going to be able to take the shots. Now I don't think he moves in and out as fast. Now I don't think he is as twitchy anymore as he once was. I just don't think it's possible. So I think honestly, man, Miguel Baeza, you know, this is like, you know, feeding the prospect here, in my opinion. I think Miguel Baeza is the guy that they want to move forward with. Um, and I think they're using Pons uh, as that guy. I think my, Miguel Baeza has passed his test with flying colors so far to go from Hector Aldana, who is a can. I remember going into that Matt Brown fight, everyone was saying, bro, this is a this is a huge step up in competition. Miguel's only got eight fights or, you know, and he dealt with adversity, definitely almost got knocked out. You know, Matt Brown, is he like top three all time knockouts? Um, most, most knockouts in welterweight history, most, most finishes knockouts. in welterweight. 
most knockouts and but all but all time he's like up there as well too. Yeah, like top ten all time. Yeah. So like and I, but like the fact that he stayed in there, man, you would have seen so many kids fold in a spot like that. The fact that he stayed mm-hmm. in there and came back and he after that happened, he dominated that fight. And then you and you know, we come back with the Sato fight. I honestly felt like he whooped Sato in first gear. Like I, I think he has another gear. Um I, I think he like he didn't really feel threatened by Sato. I feel like he's got a lot more to show. Um and another thing is, you know, he is training with Covington, man. Like like he's Covington's main training partner. So I know the the, the level is improving daily. Um and I don't think it is with Pons and Ebio, man. I think Pons is trying to recreate that old magic, but I just don't think it, it, it's possible. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I actually agree with Miguel being favored here because I feel like it was such a considerate drop-off speed movement, head movement-wise, um, in that Li Jingliang fight. Like, Li Jingliang looked like a K1 striker. Like, Li Jingliang usually gets touched up early on in a, in a lot of his fights, um, and, and he – that was a flawless victory right there, man. I felt like Pons was just very hesitant. Um, maybe he's a little more comfortable now, but think about it. Why would he be more comfortable? He just got floored unconscious, like stiff. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he's still hesitant. Um, and I feel like that power, he's going to feel it, man. So I'm going Miguel by knockout here, actually, man. So you don't think that if Tom Breeze got hit with those Matt Brown shots that he'd come back and uh, win the fight? Um, No. <laughs> yeah, but there's know. different different weight. It's a different weight class. Oh, but nah, he did I, used I to fight at seventy. He did used to fight at seventy. I don't know. Yeah, I remember when Strickland <laughs> dropped him. But uh, th- this one's tough because, look, let's just get this out the way. Do I think Miguel Baeza is a special prospect? Yes. Do I think he'll be in the top fifteen? Yes, hundred percent. Big big power in his hands. Great left hook. Great calf kicks. Black belt in jujitsu. Comes from a great camp. Great attitude, good head on his shoulders. I got nothing but good things to say about Baeza. We can go ahead and establish everything I just said. So, yep, I agree. Baeza's the man. Here's my thing about Pons. I Look, there might be a chance that he's never going to be the same guy ever again. Like Jeff Neal, you almost die. I mean, Jeff Neal just has not looked the same. But then I've seen other examples. Like, remember when Joseph Benavidez had that big ACL surgery, comes back against Pettis, looks you know, looks like an old ass man gets dropped in the first minute, but then he wins his next three fights and makes it to a title shot. So well, it's just like, a, that's like a knee thing, not a like bacterial infection. <laughs> like, yeah. So I'm, I'm just curious, like, <laughs> you know, three year layoff. I want to see if he comes back here, maybe now that he got his feet, feet under him a little bit. I know he got knocked out. I just want to see if he looks a little bit better. I'm, I'm curious about that, but because I don't know the answer to that, I do have to lean with Baeza just because there's a chance that Pons is never going to be that guy ever again. And I truly believe when he beat uh, Neil Magny, I thought he was going to be the guy to dethrone Tyron Woodley, who Tyron Woodley was the champ back then, by the way. So I've always thought that, you know, Pons was going to go out there. And I know now Robbie Lawler and Tyron Woodley are washed up fighters. So maybe maybe Pons is just from a different era. The sport evolved so quick. But I truly believe back then that not only was he going to dethrone Tyron Woodley, I thought he was going to, you know, beat Robbie back when he was supposed to fight Robbie. It was like a big fight back then. But, you know, then Pons almost died and all the shit happened. It's tough, man, because. Like I want to see, I want to see the pawns I know and love. I just don't know if I'm going to see that guy ever again. So I got to go with Baeza here. It's just, um, I I won't be surprised if Pons looks slightly better this fight than he did the the last one. But then again, I won't be surprised if he gets knocked out again. So I'm gonna go Baeza, but 
this is definitely a fight that I'm going to be paying very, very close attention to because I'm very, I, I got a lot of questions I need answered. So let's see. Featured bout in the middleweight division. We got Roman Dolize. He's eight and one. He's taking on another fighter from Argentina, Loriano Storopoli, who's nine and three. So Storopoli, he's moving up from 70s and he's going to 85 for this fight. And currently, uh, they got Dolize minus 140. The comeback on Storopoli is plus 120. And it actually opened minus 150 for Storopoli. So uh, odds makers favored the Argentine here. Public came in on the Georgian fighter, Dolize. I think this has the potential to be a close fight, man. I think that both guys have a lot of ground to cr uh, to cover, and I think this is really one of those fights that might just come down to who wants it more. Um, what do you think, man? I mean, it, it, do you think it's that kind of fight, or do you kind of see it, or do you kind of edge someone uh, more clearly than I do? No, I think it's a tough fight. I think the lead's a... His striking is clearly his weakness, um, very flat-footed. But he's got a good left kick, um, but his boxing is definitely, you know, lacking a little bit. And Steripoli, man, he's in, in a little tough situation because his last two fights, he did get beat up. But at the same time, man, I came away with a lot of respect for this kid because, I mean, Tim Means is as as veteran as it gets. Um, and then we got uh, – uh, he fought Salikov and – I mean, I kind of felt bad for the dude because it was kind of similar to Rosenstrike and uh, Gone, where it was like he knew if he came in uh, that he would just get countered, and uh, he just kind of had to play it safe, man. And I and I feel like this could possibly be a, a better fight for him. He did miss weight against Tim Means uh, by like a lot, I think. Um, so man, and he's a big guy. I was out when I was, I was like, man, yeah, he probably does. Uh, he probably does need to move up a weight class. But I, I hear he actually uh, trains with Oliveira, if I'm not mistaken, um, with Charles Oliveira, um, same camp. But, yeah, Delize, I feel like he plays a lot of games. I feel like uh, he, he likes to talk a lot in there, and that's good and all. But, you know, sometimes it, uh, it backfires. And um, I think his performance with Trevin was good. Like, it was a close fight. Um, we knew Trevin had the speed advantage and could touch him up. I mean, but he, he hung in there like – I feel like Steripoli's got a lot more to offer that we haven't seen possibly. And I think that maybe at 185, he has a good performance. Um, but the leads, man, he kind of plays a lot of games to the point where like, look at his fight with John Allen, even though I don't think it was a split decision. I understand why it did because, you know, he did a lot of rolling for leg locks and, and a lot of talking in there. He was talking to Eric Nixick. Like they were talking like during the fight and stuff. Hey like coach, that. should and, I uh, submit it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I was like, bro, you know, it, it's funny and all, but like you, like you need to get serious, bro. Like, um, and you know, when Trevin hit him, he definitely stopped that talking. That was that was for damn sure. Um, and I, I don't see that fight as a robbery at all. Like, uh, I, I think Trevin clearly won that fight. Um, just like I, I clearly think Trevin beat James Krause as well. So yeah, I think that um. This is a close fight. I feel like Steripoli's got the edge on the feet, bigger power. Maybe even could catch a knockout. Who knows? Um, but, man, I'll take the leads a, just by kind of being better positionally, maybe clinching them a little bit. But I, I see it being a close fight, man. Um, I would not be shocked if Steripoli looked at, like, I was surprised at how big he was uh, in there against Tim. And, I mean, that first round he did a good job. It's just he missed weight. He got tired. Um and I feel bad for the kid because he's a young, he's a young kid, man. And like he had to fight Salikov and Tim Means like back to back, like shit. Like you know, that kind of reminds me of that dude Jai Herbert. Like I'm trying to, uh, like damn, what did Jai Herbert do so wrong? Like you, you see the type of matchups this guy is getting like out the gates. I'm like damn. 
And you know, he lost to Reese McKee. I'm like, shit, what? Like, damn, bro. did he piss somebody off? Like, what happened? You know, he's fighting uh, Moicano. <laughs> hey, you know how this shit goes. This fight game is brutal. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, by the way, you but know yeah, how you brought up. You you know how you brought up that guy, uh, you know how you brought up that guy Denai Batgarel. Yeah. Uh, he just got a fight uh, announced. Uh, he's taking on oh, really? uh that guy uh that told us not to talk about him. Oh okay, good. Yeah, yeah. let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so who you got uh in Staropoli and and uh Delize? So I got a, I got Delize by split by close decision. I see I see him probably just like winning the clinch exchanges, um, but I'm not confident in that. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked if Staropoli even knocked him out either. So we'll see. Yeah, this is this is tough, man. I mean, I think Delize has got a lot of potential just in terms of uh, he's he's only had nine pro fights. This is his tenth pro fight, and I think I think he's solid, man. I, I I just think that there's certain things that need to be ironed out that'll happen with experience. You know, whether it's the gas tank, you know, he's a little cocky in there sometimes. Like like you were talking about, hey coach, should I submit him? You know what I mean? Like hey, like that that might work against you know John Alon, which somehow was a split decision. I was thinking it was a little more clear than that, but you know, as, as the or when he's le- fighting uh, Michaelitis. Yeah, exactly. As the level of competition uh, improves, like you're not going to be able to get away with that kind of shit. But again, he's got heavy punches, decent takedowns. Um, his leg lock game's on point. So I-, I think he's solid. I just think he needs a little more seasoning inside the octagon. And then Lariano, I'm-, I'm curious if he looks like a new man at 85 because, you know, that last fight against Tim Means, he missed weight by a mile. He looked just drained. And, um, also, Loriano, he comes from Shootabox uh, in Brazil. I know he's Argent, he's Argentinian, but um, you know he normally trains out of Shootabox. But there's like the lockdown in Argentina right now. The situation there, like shit, hasn't changed. Like they're in full lockdown still right now. No, he's a he's at Shootabox. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. But I'm curious what his training situation was up until this camp, because like I said, the situation in Argentina, like prayers to all my friends in argentina man we're thinking about y'all man y'all will get through this soon but uh i know he's fighting with a heavy heart man i know he's fighting i know this one's for argentina but more importantly than that i'm just curious to see how he looks moving up a weight class you know i do think that he's got the volume edge here it's just about can he stuff these takedowns what happens when they both get tired uh i don't know this is tough you went to Lidze, i'll go staropoli may the best may, may the best man win cool main event of the evening in the heavyweight division, we got Walt Harris. He's 13 and nine. He's taking on Marcin Tabora, who's 21 and six. Currently, they got Marcin minus 170. The comeback on Walt Harris is plus 150. Uh, listen, man, uh, Marcin's in probably the best point of his career right now. You know, at one point, he had lost four of five, been knocked out in three of those, and we were thinking, hey, it, it might be over. But something clicked, and he's been getting his shit together. And even you hear him talking. Now he feels like he truly proved to himself that he can compete at the highest level, and now he's ready to make that run. And I'll always have a soft spot for Tybura, you know, when he cashed that max bet against Arlovsky at like 4 a.m. in Europe a, a few years back. So I'll always have, you know, a soft spot. But then Walt Harris, uh, just as, as a human being, you just want to see him win, man. You just want to see him have that moment where he gets his arm raised and, you know, ha- gets to make that inspirational speech after all he's been through. I mean, I'd love to see Walt Harris win this fight but um breaking it down objectively i think it just comes down to that first round walt harris is hell on wheels and tibora has been put 
away in the first round more than once. And, uh, and I think that it's about, or and he's been hurt more than once in the first round as well. in other fights, even the last one that he won against Greg Hardy, I think it's about Walt Harris coming out here and putting him away. Cause if not, Walt tends to kind of go into this low output kind of fight where it can be 50, 50. And the difference here with Tybura is he can mix in takedowns. He can get on top. He can grind it out. He can push you against the fence. He's got more ways to win. So it's really about Tybura just not getting laid out in that first, you know, round and a half or so. And I think there is a chance he gets laid out. I mean, Wall Harris can Wall Harris hits very fucking hard. You know that, Shaq. I mean, we've seen some some of the knockouts that Wall Harris has had, whether it's the Spivak knockout, the Chase Sherman knockout. He launches guys when he knocks them out, man. So he could launch Tybura here. I'm not putting it past him at all. And I think if you take the shot on Walt you're, and you win, it'll be a brutal knockout. But down the stretch, I have to favor Tybura to kind of pin him up against the fence, mix in those takedowns, tire him out. A as a fan, I'd love nothing more than to see Walt Harris have his moment in that cage because I know he's paid his dues. He deserves it, man. He does. He, no one deserves a win more than Walt Harris, man. So as a fan, I'd love to see it. I got to go with Tybura, but I, I hope I hope I'm dead wrong on this, man. I, nothing would make me happier than to see Walt Harris have his moment. Yeah, you know Tybura. Tybura's picked himself up nicely, man. Um, definitely thought Tybura might have been a goner at one point, and you know he got that inspiration from from uh, Polish power, the champ. You know, Jan Blakowicz is a countryman. I, I think what it was is he did some cross training at that gym. Uh, I, I don't, I forget the name. I think it's like Ankos or something like that. It's in uh, Poland. But um, I think, uh, look, even though Greg Hardy and these guys are green, Rothwell on his way out and Spivak, you know, a young kid, I mean, Tybura like broke them down very nicely. I must say, uh, like the grappling part, the grappling uh, parts of those fights, um, he looked very solid. Um, he just mixes up his skills very nicely. Like Tybura, Honestly, man, is is one of the more well-rounded fighters in that division, but we know his weakness is, is kind of like if you crowd him, if you pressure him, if you really, you know, get off on the punches, sometimes he will get knocked out, sometimes he will shy away. But in certain fights, um, like if you play that type of point fighting, you know, clinch style game with him, man, that's his type of fight. And we have seen Harris play that game, whether it be against Shamil or uh, I can't say his last name, but, uh, uh, you know, Shamil, my boy from Russia. Uh, whether Rahimov. Yeah, to Rahimov, um, my boy. Uh, and his fight with Andre Arlovsky, he did get the win there. You know, beating Arlovsky is somewhat of a statement in that division. Um, but, you know, the fight was, it was much closer than what it needed to be. Um, but, you know, in fights like Spivak, Alexi took care of business, um, even hurt Overeem badly, man. But I just I think he was out of shape for that fight. You know, I think uh, what happened, that just went down. So I'll, we'll excuse him for that one. And I mean, Volkov, 265 Volkov, man, uh, <laughs> that, 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 the back tat, the new back tat Volkov, man, that guy, <laughs> you know, he's got a fight with Surreal Gone coming up. So we'll see how he does. But, you know, I think, uh, man. You know, I, I honestly, I think Walt just, that was a bad, I went into, like, why can't we give Walt a layup, man? Like, shit, like, give him, uh, man, who's a heavyweight, man? Like, give him some. You want to see that Chase Sherman rematch? What about Jared Vandera? Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> like somebody like that, man. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, man, 
this is a much better fight for Wall in terms of those two guys that he previously fought, in my opinion. But yeah, I agree. I think Tyburn is just in a good spot right now where he's executing very well. I mean, he's he's executing. He's 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 taking damage and coming back in fights, which is something that you know in the past Tybura. I mean, I don't know if you remember that Black Beast fight back in the day when he was up two rounds on two cards and and, and pulled a dramatic stun in the third round. Uh, you know, I know you remember that 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 last round against Andrei Arlovsky. I mean. I, I recall you screaming. I mean, the dude, <laughs> I mean, was looking for for every way out of there possible, man. Um, uh, so you know, I feel like he has made a lot of steps in the right direction. I mean, he's facing adversity and coming back in fights. So you know, we'll see. I know it's Greg Hardy, but Greg Hardy still hits hard, man. Um, like, I mean, he was the underdog in that fight, so um, we'll see. But I'm gonna go with Tybura by decision. Main event of the evening, also in the heavyweight division. We got Jerzinho Rosenstruck. He's 11 and 2. He's taking on Augusto Sakai, who's 15 and 2. Currently, they got Jerzinho Rosenstruck minus 125. The comeback on Augusto Sakai is plus 105. So, listen, everybody that hated Jerzinho's last fight, I think this is going to be a little bit different. And I know I'm about to say, well, it's two strikers. It was two strikers last time, but this is a completely different matchup. Uh, Cyril Gan. You know, was it was afforded the luxury of playing it safe because I mean, look at the physical tools that guy has. Look at his striking arsenal. I just think Augusto is a little bit different than Sakai. I don't think Augusto, excuse me, Augusto is a little bit different than Cyril Gunn. I don't think Augusto is just going to stay on the outside and just let the fight come to him. I think Augusto is going to go after Jerzino, which is what makes it an interesting fight because Jerzino, he's got that great counter fighting ability. And also, you put Jerzino in there with some washed up heavyweights. And that's where we make our money on Jerzino, whether it's the Arlovsky fight, the Junior Cigano fight. I know the Overeem fight got sketchy. He handled biz there, too. So they got common opponents. And actually, it's Jerzino who's handled them more accordingly. Because um, you remember, Augusto had a split decision with uh, with Arlovsky, whereas, you know, Jerzino knocked him out in 30 seconds. Um, the Overeem fight, one guy knocked out Overeem, one guy no got knocked out by Overeem. But none of that really matters. It's all about how these two match up. And... You know, I, I think that Augusto is going to be the guy going forward, the guy with the more volume and honestly, the more well-rounded guy, despite him getting stopped on the mat his last fight. I think he's got more tools on the mat than Jerzino. It's just that you got to look out for that really sick countering ability of Jerzino, whether it's that left hook, whether it's the kick returns, whatever the case may be. So I think the one punch knockout potential favors Jerzino, but I think the long-term battle is going to be won by Sakai. I think that when you look at the strike numbers at the end of this fight, that Sakai might be the guy that doubled him up on strikes there, and um, I got to favor Sakai here, despite him being the underdog. It's just really about don't get clipped with one big shot, because even in some of these fights that uh, Jerzino has been winning, like, for example, the Overeem fight, you know, he was down on the scorecards on every single scorecard. That was a comeback win. You can't always rely on comeback wins, whereas despite Augusto getting knocked out by over him. Some thought that he may have won two rounds of that of that fight. So I think that Augusto's the better round winner between the two of them. And, you know, he's got kind of that methodical Muay Thai style, you know, that Brazilian Muay Thai methodical. He's a little slower, but he's got good output. And again, Jerzino with the counters. So it could go either way, but I got to, I got to favor the guy who I think is going to be winning the minutes of this fight. And if it goes to decision, the guy that I think will be up on the scorecards, both have knockout potential. Don't get me wrong. But I'm going to go with Augusto Sakai to win this fight, Shaq. Hmm, I was hoping you went with my boy Jarzinho, man. But, uh, you know, I got my boy Sakai as well, man. I think the last fight with Overeem, like, I've been high on Sakai since Bellator. Um, he was a guy that I definitely 
saw making the UFC at some point. And, and the reason is, is that methodical Muay Thai game, man. I think that he pressures very well. And I like his chin too, man, like out in space. Like Chakai's a big boy and he can take a shot, man. Like, so I actually think it's going to be very hard for Rosenstrike to necessarily get that one punch counter as, uh, you know, in comparison to like a Andre Arlovsky or a, uh, you know, JDS, you know, guys that are, you know, over 40, uh, JDS ain't 40, but Andre Arlovsky is, uh, you know, over 40 years old and and some of these other guys. Um, but I think that Sakai, honestly, man, the last fight was a good performance, even though he gassed out. But, you know, Overeem is as smart as it gets. I mean, Overeem has handed, you know, plenty of people uh, their their first losses in the game. And I think he was winning the the, the, the fight, man. Um, it's just he mismanaged that cardio. You know, if, if it was a three-round fight, he would have got the decision. But that's why they got championships, uh, the 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 championship rounds, those two last rounds, man, are are crucial. And he definitely folded. Uh, he, he's gassed out once the wrestling started getting mixed in. But uh, I don't see R- R- Rosenstrike implementing something like that. I, I agree with kind of how you broke it down. I, I see Sakai pushing him back, like avoiding the 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 one shot knockout. And, and I, I and I like Jarzino Rosenstrike a lot. But like you were saying, it, it's almost like this dude like. It's almost like he puts himself in that position on purpose where, like, you know, even, like, like the early parts of the JDS fight, it was like, okay, Jarzino, like, we, like when are we going <laughs> to we gonna let him fly? Because I felt like he could have sooner, but, you know, he still did his job there. Definitely beat Overeem. Like, so we know what we're working with here on the given day. Like, as even though he was green in experience and green in MMA, like, the things that he accomplished with that greenness, man, were, were very spectacular. So, um you know, but yeah, I agree, man. I feel like Sakai, if he can just, you know, uh, clinch him up a little bit, kind of get him tired. Of, Sakai's gonna have some weight on him, right? How much does uh does Jarzino weigh? Like two forty? So Sakai last weigh in two sixty one, and Rosenstruck last weigh in two fifty four. So not he'll have a couple. He'll have a couple yeah. pounds on him. Yeah. yeah. Um, not that bad, but you know, yeah, I, but I see, I still see him being the stronger guy. It could go either way, but I see him getting up on the volume. Uh, Jarzino kind of leaves his chin up in the air a little bit too. Not saying that Sakai doesn't, but I really like Sakai's chin out in space. We'll see if I'm still saying that, uh, saying that on, after Saturday night, but I feel like he has got a good ability to take like good flush on shots and, and keep moving forward and deterring guys a little bit. Um, I, I feel like it's going to take a, a lot more than just one left foot to put him down. So we'll see. Um, but I'm going to go with Sakai by actually a five-round decision. Yeah, I mean, Jerzino literally lives and dies by the counter. So Yeah, like it's either he knocks him out stiff or he loses a decision. So Or he stares um, at you. <laughs> so, yeah. so before we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, everybody do us a favor. Hit the like button and hit the subscribe button. We truly appreciate it. Now, Shaq... Uh, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So I'm going to go first with the fight to watch. I think the fight to watch is the middleweight matchup between Dushko Todorovic and Gregory Robocop uh, Rodriguez. I truly believe these two are going to stand and bang in the center of the cage until one man falls. I mean, you got a guy in Gregory Rodriguez who I've seen him drop multiple times. And now Dushko, I wasn't able to say that until his last fight. He's been dropped multiple times now too. And, but offensively speaking, Gregory hits like a truck. He's got a good jujitsu game. Dushko, 
I love his boxing in the pocket. I love his ground and pound. I love the kind of dog this guy is. And I know Gregory's hungry as his UFC debut. So I think there's going to be a lot of fire and intensity in this middleweight matchup between Todorovic and Rodriguez. And for that reason, it's my fight to watch, Shaq. Yeah, my fight to watch is going to be in that uh, welterweight division, Ponzinibbio versus uh, Miguel Baeza, because uh, Miguel Baeza, this is his first, you know, big name test of Ponzinibbio, a guy that was ranked for a very long time. And Ponzinibbio, man, his career, I mean, he needs, he, Ponzinibbio needs a win just as bad as, as bad as anybody on the card, man. So on the uh, roster, I know on the roster, I know Ponzinibbio is going to cry in tears if he wins this fight. <laughs> I think, you know, Ponzinibbio is going to be bawling his eyes out if he wins this fight. So after all the stuff he's gone through, we'll see if he answers that test against Miguel. I mean, Miguel, uh, I've been very high on this guy. He's got a good team behind him. He's, I mean, he, he, I like what I've seen so far. Um, him and uh, Sean Brady kind of been like the two high prospects at 170. So uh, I'm, we'll see if Miguel, you know, keeps passing his test. So um, that's my uh, fight to watch. And now we got to talk about the fighter to watch. And look, my fighter to watch is Walt Harris, man. I mean, I'd love nothing more than to see Walt Harris have that big moment in the cage. Knock this guy out. Know, have a beautiful speech have that moment um i know it'll be huge if he's able to get this win and all eyes are gonna be on him a a as they always are man uh you just no matter who you are i mean unless you're a true piece of shit uh, you gotta root for this guy you gotta want to see this guy do well and that has nothing to do with you know wanting to see tybura lose i like tybura too it has literally no it could be anybody against walt harris and you just want to see walt harris do well so Co-main event spot once again. Uh, Walt Harris is my fighter to watch, Shaq. Yeah, my fighter to watch is actually going to be on the um, on the early fights, man. And that's uh, Mason Jones. I mean, look, you know, the Euros, they they need they need more stars. They got Jack Shore. They got um, Welsh has – how many fighters are from Wales? You got Jack Shore. Man, Brett Johns left. Man, Brett Johns lost, actually. Man. He lost um, to a guy that got denied on Contender Series, by the way. But no, but Sabatello, he, he can wrestle, bro. He's like a college wrestler, like a real college wrestler. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunate. But yeah, but I still think you know the Welsh scene is still good. The UK scene is still good. I, but I like making Mason Jones' style. Like that fight with Mike Davis. Like I was truly surprised that he ate some of those shots and didn't even do a chicken dance. Like I was, I was like, man, this guy's got a hard head. Mike, you know, Mike Davis actually messed up his hand like severely on mason jones's head like mike davis like just go to his uh instagram bro he's got like all type of pins and shit coming out of there man so i think uh i think mason jones is the fighter to watch he's got a, a favorable matchup in my opinion against uh alan patrick and this will tell us how he performs you know what type of trajectory he really has we know he was a two-way uh, champion over there in cage warriors and if he comes out here and stops alan patrick when uh you know especially early, like you know, Bobby Green didn't and some of these other guys, I think it's a big statement. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if you see Mason Jones, you know, in some more in some more higher profile type of fights because he is experienced. So um, that's my fighter to watch. Definitely cannot wait. Thank you very much, Shaq. Thank you to all our listeners, our supporters, our fans for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Do us a favor, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We truly appreciate it. A big thank you to our sponsor, Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com. Use that promo code BATTLE20 for 20% off and free shipping. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. 
We'll be back next week for the very, very big UFC 263 fight card. We got Adesanya versus Vittori. You got Davis and Figueredo uh, rematching the guy that they called yeah. it a draw. They called it a draw, but I, I thought said, he whooped him. You said the greatest flyweight of all times back? Yeah. You know, the guy, <laughs> the guy DJ uh, left the division. No, but <laughs> but we, we got Davison in there. Nate Diaz back against Leon. I can't wait to talk about why they made that fight. Bilal versus Damian. Jamal versus Paul Craig. It's a hell of a it's a hell of a car, and I cannot wait to talk about it. So that's next week. Uh, thank you guys again very much. Uh, we truly appreciate it. Everybody enjoy the fights. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.